1: smallbusinessdigest.net. You know, we often get requests uh, from listeners, and one of the most frequently asked requests is, how do family members get uh, get along in managing a small business? It's a very interesting question. We've had husbands and wives on, we we've had uh, fathers and sons, but we've never had siblings. And but today's program that's what it's all about. With us today is is Deb, Debbie Sh- Shadell. She and her her brother uh, run Carrington Farms here in New Jersey and she'll talk about that. And and Mark Mark Fleischner. He's with, uh, with Vistro. And you might remember that a few weeks ago we had his sister on his program talking about it. So now we have the, uh, her brother on. But we're going to talk about it from a different angle. How do brother and sister manage a, a small business operation? But well, as we always do, we'll ask Debbie to tell us a little bit about uh, herself personally before we get into anything else. Debbie, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you. Um, well, I started actually in um, with a marketing background, and I was working um, in various marketing-related fields, sales and marketing, for many years. And my brother and um, a partner started our company, Carrington, as a tea business. We started as a Carrington tea company. And they were going along for several years, and I had children, and I was doing a lot of traveling and um my brother said, "Why don't you come and work with us? You'll be local, you won't have to do as much travel and so I said, "Sure, why not? Basically, that was how the whole thing started, and we were just a tea company at that point, and it gave us the opportunity to have a little broader base idea. We were working with the company doing um private label tea for them, and they asked us to manufacture a flax product for them. And I um, started learning a lot about flax and other sorts of seeds and grains, and this was going back 11 years ago before all those foods were as wildly popular as they are now. And um, it gave my brother and I and our third partner a great opportunity to expand our business, and that's pretty much how I got involved.
1: But what is your business right now?
0: Our business... It, we still have the tea company and um, our tea side of our business, which is the Carrington Tea Company, which is a value-priced tea, an opening price point tea, essentially green and black and herbal teas. And then the other side of our business is Carrington Farms, which is flax and chia and hemp and um, coconut oil and a lot of other coconut-based products. And that business has grown substantially over the last 11 years and um, We're known for our single-serve-size product that's like grab-and-go, convenient flax packs, a flax chia pack, coconut oil packs. So they're very easy to take with you, easy to add to your food when you're traveling, when you're in your office, when you're out at a restaurant, kind of grab-and-go food. But we also do club-size food and, you know, coconut oil in club-size and Everything in between, really, in that whole genre of food that you
2: add to other foods.
1: Hmm. Mark, t- tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, so as you probably remember from speaking to my sister, we grew up in Costa Rica, and uh, you know in Costa Rica we uh, we got used to eating a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. Then, at different points in time, we both moved to the U.S. to go to college, and you know we developed a, ba- a lot of bad eating habits. You know, when you go to college, you want something quick, and you end up eating unhealthy stuff. So, as uh, I got older, I started working in investment banking, and I realized that I had no time to eat healthy, and I ended up eating frozen pizza every night. I would get home at uh, midnight every night, so I would have pro- frozen pizza, so... Um, so I started looking for different alter- healthy alternatives in the supermarket freezer, but everything was full of preservatives. So a few years later, I moved to L.A., and, uh, and I said, why not? I quit investment banking and decided to start this business. Um, after a few months of working on it, I realized that it was going to be a lot bigger than I expected, and I needed uh, somebody that I could trust. So my sister was um stay-at-home mom. Uh, but she had a lot of experience in sales and marketing, so I brought her in, and uh, and the rest is history. Vistri was born.
1: Well, we'll ask the first question. Both uh, both of you, uh, both of you uh, indicated that you were brought into the business, but I'll start with Mark and ask, uh, how did you go about dividing your responsibilities?
2: Well, for us, it was very easy because we come from very different backgrounds uh, professionally, so it was very easy to limit what each one of us was going to do. I come from finance and operations side, and she comes from uh, sales and marketing. So uh, it was a no-brainer. We just got together. We knew what we had to do, and we started working.
1: Okay. Debbie, what about you?
0: Ours was a little more complicated than that because we have very similar backgrounds. We both have a sales and marketing background. Um, So we sort of divided it up by – it's not such a clear division, to be honest with you, but we do divide it up a little bit by account. And um, we're all involved together in product development. And um, a lot of the marketing decisions are joint but um, the accounts are separate based on um, location and relationship. I,
1: I, inter- I interrupted our tape program. I think Lanny George has finally joined us. Lanny, are you on? Um, there's someone with an 847 number.
3: That's uh, me. I'm Lisa Ramirez.
1: I'm, uh, I'm sorry you didn't... Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm glad um, you came on. We've had a mix-up today, and our first guest did not, and I was uh, playing a a pre-tape. So, Liz Ramirez, welcome to the program. You're Director of User Experience for Breakthrough Technologies, How to Hire the Best IT Talent.
3: That's right. Thank you, Don. I appreciate being on the show.
1: Well, I appreciate it. Our program is somewhat unique in that we, um, what we usually do, is ask our um, guests first to tell a little bit about themselves personally before we get into the topic. So, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: All right, well, um, I'm currently working for Breakthrough Technologies. I'm the director of the Experience Strategy and Design Group. Um, That's basically the group that's responsible for uh, the clients that we service, their product vision, the analysis of their vision, um, and the design of their vision. Uh, My group also uh, takes care of any usability and accessibility requirements for our clients. So that's my group, but we are part of a larger organization that um, creates and builds custom software and websites. So we, we've, we're we in Evanston. We're a local company. Uh, we have 16 years old, privately owned. Uh, it was founded by uh, three guys who were developers. Uh, there's two of them left, um, Randy Knapp and Doug Wilson. They both currently oversee the organization. And... Um, you know, we kind of have a mission uh, in the organization to use design and technology for the betterment of people in the world, so we're very involved in the assessment um, space and education. Uh, we're also very heavily involved with clients who are in the not-for-profit um, and association space as well.
1: Yeah, yes, but tell us a little bit about yourself. You, um, you okay. Have a very <laughs>
3: <important> so, um, <laughs> I I actually have a background in, uh, in multimedia arts. I. Uh, I went to school in San Francisco a a long time ago um, and studied multimedia arts. And then I came to Chicago um, for a master's program in multimedia arts. Uh, This was probably right around the time when the Internet was just starting to bloom. So that kind of gives you an indication of how long ago that was. Um, And I started working. Um, actually teaching initially multimedia arts and then I moved into uh educational publishing and was working as a technology producer for McDougal Littell uh in their world language division. And from there I kind of just continued moving um through the uh technology sector, uh doing software um design, also doing front end development for websites. Um I've worked a lot in the e commerce space. Um I've worked as a product manager for Ticketmaster, um gosh, I've done so much. I've had probably, uh, I don't know, I've had a pretty long career. I've been in my field for uh, almost 20 years. So I've I've been with about maybe eight or nine companies in in that time period. And it really ranges from everything from agency work uh, to uh, consulting to in-house services with companies like Ticketmaster or JP Morgan um, or uh, CME. Um, So I've Kind of been in different industries and, you know, done slight variations on my role, but it's pretty much always been user experience, uh, front end development, uh, and/or um, product management. And now I'm really leading a team um, and trying to bring my expertise, you know, to the company and help develop those services within Breakthrough Technologies. So that's a little bit about me. Okay. <laughs>
1: Well, we like to know a little bit about the people that we have in the program, but but now you're here because uh, you're actually filling in for the president. Um, I am. But so, but uh, in your experience, how do you hire the best IT talent?
3: Uh, you know, it, it is a really um, challenging thing to do because you definitely want people who have um, skill sets very specific skill sets, but at the same time, you also need people who can communicate and collaborate um, and aren't afraid to try new things. Uh, And it's funny because I, I always talk to my team about how in the early days of my career, any job requisition you looked at always said can work independently. Nowadays, you look at any job requisition that's out there, and everybody wants highly collaborative people. And the shift has really moved from um, an environment where people were afraid to make mistakes and um, you know, companies were structured in such a way that uh, instructions and decisions were made top-down to environments where it's really collaborative and it's kind of grassroots and the people, the boots on the ground are the ones who really have the understanding and the expertise oftentimes to um, execute on projects. So when it comes to hiring people, coming back around, um I really look for individuals who not only have the skill set but also um have the ability to think outside the box and are hungry for knowledge and are collaborative and are interesting are interested in um taking on problems and not afraid to make mistakes.
1: Well before there used to be a lot of penalties for mistakes. Uh, what do you do when you find someone has made a mistake?
3: You know, I think uh, my philosophy, ha- have really, for a long time now, has been um, that I want my team to take risks. And I want them to innovate. Um, if I don't let them take risks and potentially have mistakes come out of those, I- they can't innovate. And on top of that, they won't get the practice they need for the really big challenges. So it's really important for me to let my team take small risks. Um, you know, I, I like to coach from the sidelines. I want them to grow and to feel ownership of projects and to kind of spread their wings. I provide coaching, you know, when I see that it's needed and I try to give them enough structure so that they feel like they have the latitude to take off and, and you know, soar and expand their wings. Um, But, you know, that all comes with a price, and and there are some mistakes. So I think, you know, with any mistake, uh, it really depends on the magnitude, but hopefully you're working with your team in such a manner that, you know, it's small mistakes. Um, Now, if there are really big mistakes, mistakes that um, are very costly or mistakes that, are difficult to recover from, then those are the ones, obviously, where you have to really evaluate the situation. I don't really think there's a one-size-fits-all answer to that, but that's something where you would have to evaluate. And and sometimes it's a matter of coaching or reassigning roles or, you know, stepping in and really providing a stronger direction um, in that project to really help the team recover. So it really depends on the situation.
1: Well, um, you're out there you're looking at people to hire. What do you look for first in a resume? Cuz that's usually the first thing that you see or some sort of a document. What do you look for in 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 this area?
3: Yeah, I really uh I'm pretty proactive about recruiting. Uh we do have services that provide recruiting for us and I have a lot of relationships with recruiters, but I oftentimes I use LinkedIn um recruiter mode and I when I think I'm going to start needing to fill um a position, I basically start looking through LinkedIn and I look for a combination of work history and education that I think is going to instill the values and provide the opportunities for that individual that will make them a great team member um, in my organization. Um, a lot of times I'll also look at companies that I aspire to have employees that are like that or have that process or have um, the same set of values and you know, see if any of those people are interested in, in maybe trying something new. Um and, you know, I do work work with recruiters. Uh, it's also really important to have um, good word of mouth. So, you know, I go to meetups and I have a lot of colleagues from past jobs that I keep in contact with. Um, so oftentimes I will also go out and ask. But I really look for people who, you know, again, have um, the educational experience and the work history that I feel is going to have a highest chance of giving me someone uh, that – is in line with what i'm looking for, and i'm usually'm looking for people who are really empathetic they're self starters they're results in, uh, oriented they're inquisitive, you know highly collaborative, but at the same time, I want them to be able to make a decision um, creative problem solvers having a sense of humor super important for me uh, genuine you know, hungry to learn, not afraid to try new things. And the one thing that I've been really talking a lot with my team about lately and that I've been thinking a lot um, is about growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. I really want individuals who have a growth mindset, you know, people who are interested in learning new things and don't see setbacks um, as the end of the road, but they see them as a learning opportunity.
1: That's very good. But how do you find the, the same sort of values what kind of questions do you ask if it comes down to this? How do you find someone that has the same sort of core values that you you and the company want to learn?
3: That's a great question. Uh, that's a difficult one, um, but it's definitely something that you refine over time. For me, it really boils down to conversations that I have with people. You know, I – In general, I'm looking for individuals whose demeanor when they're being interviewed um, conveys and indicates a relaxed and inquisitive um, and thoughtful um, and even vulnerable, uh, you know, personality. Uh, You know, people who, when I ask a question, will say, I don't know, that's a great question. You know, I might handle it this way or I might handle it that way. You know, individuals who don't seem afraid to acknowledge that they may not know something, but at the same time will come back with an answer that indicates that they would be very proactive about finding the answer to it. So those are some of the things I I look for. Um, You know, also a lot of times when people come in, they're very nervous, so I'll try to joke around with them and, you know, just trying to see how easy it is for them to unwind and um, relax um, because sometimes that is an indicator of someone who's a little bit – and I'm not saying that this is always the case, but sometimes people are perfectionists, and when they're perfectionists, they're very hard on themselves, and sometimes that makes them a little bit more um, nervous. Uh, and so sometimes when somebody, you know, you know, when you're talking to somebody, if they can really relax and unwind and, you know, uh, show some humility and, and even laugh at themselves, um, that to me really indicates that this person has empathy and that they're um, – somebody that may be potentially a good fit for the organization because they're going to be able to work with others and not be so hard on themselves if they make a mistake or so hard on other people. But they're probably going to be more apt to try to work together to just pull through a, a negative situation.
1: Let me throw, throw throw a difficult question at you because it's, it's come up time and time again. Are there differences between female and male um, uh, people in IT? and why is it that it's, it's management is so heavily
2: male oriented
1: obviously you're
2: you're up there
1: and uh, the company thinks a lot of you but why is it would you want to comment on that or pass on the question
3: you know i can try uh you know i from my personal experience um and i'm thinking about this as i'm speaking I think from my personal experience, there is definitely a lot of bias in, in technology and the sciences and even in upper management of many organizations um, towards women and, you know, favoritism towards men. I do think that's changing, but clearly the numbers in terms of Fortune 500 companies with, you know, C-suite uh, females or somebody in the C-suite that's a female is still disproportionate, but it's it's getting better. Um, but I do think that there there's a paradigm shift that's happening. And, you know, if you look back, um, like, at Mad Men, like, I think that's a really actually a great show um, to use kind of the, as an example. That show was all about men, men in power, and men ruling the day, and men making the decisions, and the boys club. That was kind of the society. The man ruled the roost, you know, post-World War II. Um, they brought home the bacon, they had the wife at home, and it wasn't until the 60s that the women really had the rights and the abilities to, um, you know, work in the work- workplace uh, and have that be protected. And then you had laws coming into place like um, FMLA, the fa- you know Family uh, Medical Leave Act, that guaranteed um, anybody who was sick, but that also covered pregnancy Um in terms of protecting a person's job if they had to take time off. So I think, you know, um, it's a combination of societal changes and laws that have made it uh, easier for women to, and and any minority really, to move up in the workplace. But with any change in culture, it takes time. Oftentimes it takes many generations. And so we're kind of, you know, seeing a lot of the fruits um, of the changes that were started, uh, you know, in the 60s now. But it definitely could continue to Improve because we're still not at a point where we're not even asking this question. We're still asking this question, so um, obviously it's still an issue.
1: Well, you are obviously one of the pioneers because, uh, because you're, you're you're fairly high up. Um, do, do you find that the, uh, that the younger generation appreciates what you had to do?
3: Um, hmm. you know. I want to say yes, but then sometimes I look at Facebook posts and I'm like, uh, no, they don't. It's really hard to say. You know, I think it depends on the age. If you're a, if you're a teenager, um, you think about the world very differently than you do if you're in your 20s. Just like if you're in your 20s, you think about the world differently than if you're in your 30s or in your 40s. So I think with every um, stage of life, you, you look at the world a little bit differently and you have um, – a different reference point because you've had more experience. So, you know, maybe it's less about just the fact that they're younger generation than it is the fact that they are younger and they just haven't had as many worldly experiences, so they don't yet have that breadth um, of experience to really make decisions in the same way or see things in the same way that somebody who has more experience has. Um, But, you know, I'm optimistic. I think that the um, younger generation have – their heart in the right place. And there's a lot of philanthropy that goes on and there's a lot of purpose driven um, lifestyle, you know, in terms of like millennials, for instance, they're more interested in getting a job that means something and has a purpose um, than, you know, making, although they do want to make good money, but then making more money. I mean, I think the balance is more towards, you know, the mission of a company or the goal of the company and being part of something great that does good for the world than it is just strictly about putting on a suit and bringing home a big fat paycheck. So I think there's a there's a lot of hope in the world and I, I'm actually really excited to see, you know, what the what the next twenty years with this uh, younger generation will bring to the workplace.
1: The, the name of your company and the website?
3: That's Breakthrough Technologies, um and the way, the website is breaktech.com. That's B R E A K T E C H dot C O M.
1: Oh, wow, very interesting uh, one. Um uh to, to close this, uh, what are the three things uh, that you would say to us? Well, our audience is small businesses and they uh, sometimes they think they don't have the um, um the, the the ability to tolerate mistakes like you do. But what are the three things that you you would say uh, uh, are important in looking for IT talent?
3: Um, well, can I answer really quickly uh, or address that first point you made about being a smaller business and not feeling like you have the um, – you, you don't have the affordance to make mistakes? Do you mind if I take a second for that? Go ahead. Okay, sorry. Um, so, I, you know, I think there are um, different – for instance, in technology uh, development like lifecycle processes, methodologies, or um, philosophies, and one of the ones that we subscribe to is Agile. That's really a philosophy, and there's a framework we use um, for executing work called Scrum, and the really great thing about it is that you're working in very small iterations so that if there is any mistake or there is any risk, it is brought up a lot quicker and not at the very end of the product lifecycle when it's about to go live or when it has gone live. And so for small businesses, I would really encourage them to think about um, having a um, a methodology or a framework that allows them to factor in risk. Um, something like Scrum would be really great. And then the three things um, that I would recommend for hiring great IT is, one, you absolutely have to know what your value proposition is as an organization. Um, you know, why would somebody come work for you? What's what's so unique about your company? Um, understand your culture and the skill sets that you're looking for um, and make sure that the person you're interviewing or the people that you're interviewing match um, those skill sets and that they're looking for what you have to offer. Um, and then thirdly, I think you need to be really flexible with benefits, uh, you know, especially with the younger generation. They they work a lot. They don't look at the workday as starting at 8 and ending at 5 or starting at 9 and ending at 5. It's really, you know, just a continuum for them. So you kind of have to be flexible and let them work from home or let them work on the road or let them come in later and leave later. You know, things like that really make a difference, um, even though it may seem – like an insignificant difference that could really make a big difference for uh, somebody's attitude about work. Um, and then I'm going to give you a fourth thing: give them projects and um, and a working environment that they can where they can feel passionate and feel like they're really contributing. You,
1: know, you you you're a really terrific guest, and I want you to come back in the new year and talk some more because you really uh, 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 am I pronouncing your name correct, Lithi? Lita, 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 Le- Lita. Yeah. Lita, you, you're really terrific, and thank you well, for thank joining you. us tonight.
3: Yeah, I appreciate it, Don. I'd be happy to come back anytime. I oh, love well, your show.
1: We, we really want you back in the new year. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Don. Take care and good night to your listeners.
1: You know, we often get requests uh, from listeners, and one of the most frequently asked requests is how do family members get a uh, get along in managing a small business? It's a very interesting question. We've had hu- husbands and wives on. We- we've had uh, fathers and sons, but we've never had siblings. And But today's program, that's what it's all about. With us today is, is Deb- Debbie Sh- Shadel. She and her, her brother uh, run Carrington Farms here in New Jersey, and we'll talk about that. And and Mark Mark Fleischner, he's with uh, with Vistro, and you mm-hmm. might remember that a few weeks ago we had his sister on his program talking about it. So now we have the uh, her brother on, but we're going to talk about it from a different angle. How do brother and sister manage a, a small business operation? But as we always do, we'll ask Debbie to tell us a little bit about herself personally before we get into anything else. Debbie, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you. Um, well, I started actually in um, with a marketing background, and I was working um, in various marketing-related fields, sales and marketing for many years. And my brother and um, a partner started our company, Carrington, as a tea business. We started as a Carrington tea company. And they were going along for several years, and I had children, and I was doing a lot of traveling, and um, my brother said, why don't you come and work with us? You'll be local. You won't have to do as much travel. And so I said, sure, why not? Basically, that was how the whole thing started. And we were just a tea company at that point, and it gave us the opportunity to have a little Broader base idea. We were working with a company doing um, private label tea for them, and they asked us to manufacture a flax product for them. And I um, started learning a lot about flax and other sorts of seeds and grains, and this was going back 11 years ago before all those foods were as wildly popular as they are now. And um, it gave my brother and I and our third partner a great opportunity to expand our business. And that's pretty much how I got involved.
1: But what is your business right now?
0: Our business, it, we still have the tea company and um, our tea side of our business, which is the Carrington Tea Company, which is a value-priced tea, an opening price point tea, essentially, green and black and herbal teas. And then the other side of our business is Carrington Farms, which is flax and chia and hemp and um, coconut oil and a lot of other coconut-based products. And that business has grown substantially over the last 11 years, and um, we're known for our single-serve size product that's like grab-and-go, convenient flax packs, a flax chia pack, coconut oil packs. So they're very easy to take with you, easy to add to your food when you're traveling, when you're in your office, when you're out at a restaurant, kind of grab and go food. But we also do club size food and, you know, coconut oil in club size and everything in between really in that whole genre of food that you add to other foods.
1: Mark uh,
2: tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, so as you probably remember from speaking to my sister, we grew up in Costa Rica. And, uh, you know, in Costa Rica, we uh, we got used to eating a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. Then, at different points in time, we both moved to the U.S. to go to college. And, you know, we developed a, ba- a lot of bad eating habits. And you know, when you go to college, you want something quick and you end up eating unhealthy stuff. So as uh, I got older, I started working in investment banking, and I realized that I had no time to eat healthy, and I ended up eating frozen pizza every night. I would get home at uh, midnight every night, so I would have frozen pizza. So um, so I started looking for different alter- healthy alternatives in the supermarket freezer, but everything was full of preservatives. So a few years later, I moved to L.A., and, uh, and I said, why not? I quit investment banking and decided to start this business. Um, after a few months of working on it, I realized that it was going to be a lot bigger than I expected, and I needed uh, somebody that I could trust. So my sister was um stay-at-home mom, uh, but she had a lot of experience in sales and marketing, so I brought her in, and uh, and the rest is history. Visa was born
1: Well, we'll ask the first question. Uh, Both of you you, uh, indicated that you were brought into the business. But I'll start with Mark and ask, uh, how did you go about dividing your responsibilities?
2: Well, for us it was very easy because we come from very different backgrounds uh, professionally, so it was very easy to limit what each one of us was going to do. I come from a finance and operations side, and she comes from uh, sales and marketing. So uh, it was a no-brainer. We just got together. We knew what we had to do, and we started working.
1: Okay. Debbie, what about you?
0: Ours was a little more complicated than that because we have very similar backgrounds. We both have a sales and marketing background. Um, So we sort of divided it up by... um, It's not such a clear division, to be honest with you, but we do divide it up a little bit by account, and um, we're all involved together in product development, and um, a lot of the marketing decisions are joint, but um, the accounts are separate based on um, location and relationship, primarily the relationship, who has a better relationship with the buyer. That's how we have been dividing things up. It's not... It would have been easier if we were a little bit more like Mark where we very clear, uh, different skill sets. But um, we've been able to work it out nicely, and we actually rely on each other to cover since we do have very similar backgrounds. If I'm not available, he'll cover an account or vice versa. The marketing decisions are made jointly. So it's a- actually been working out okay. It, you know, a little, little time got us to this point. And, um, we've been able to bounce off of each other very nicely.
1: Well, that's great, but now, what happens? Uh, I'll start with you, Debbie. What happens if you have a disagreement? How do you settle a disagreement
0: um interestingly enough we have we do have some disagreements, but because our obviously our upbringing was identical. Grow up in the same household, we have pretty much the same values. Our decisions might come together from different perspectives, but we sort of end up with the with a similar decision. A lot of times, if we have very divergent views on something, we basically put down pros and cons talk talk it out, see which way is the better way to go um Call in the rest of the office, a <laughs> referee occasionally, and um you know with people that we work. That work with us that we trust a lot, and you know listen to their points of view, and then we basically come to a decision that way what- well,
1: What about you, Mark? How do you settle with your sister?
2: Well, I wish it was that easy for us <laughs> we in the beginning in the beginning, it was very, very tough for us because uh we had never worked together, and and we have completely different mindset um I'm more uh you know logical I want you know, I know what I what I want, and, you know, I have, I'd like to think about it and find all the different ways that, find all the holes in every single problem. My sister's more uh, on the creative side, and she doesn't uh, think like that. She thinks she's more, maybe I would say that she's more of a risk taker than I am. So in the beginning, we had a lot of disagreements. Uh, we, um, you know, at, at different points in time, we thought about splitting up, but it was just stuck. Uh, now, after two and a half years of working together, it we kind of got used to of uh, how each one of us work. So it, it makes it a lot easier. Uh, I run the company, so um, so I have a little bit more power over her. But when it comes to marketing and sales, you know she is the expert. So I listen to everything that she has to say.
1: Hmm. Well. Uh how do you develop your 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 plans for future growth how do you s- settle di- um differ- differences in
2: growth differences you mean uh what she thinks that we should do for growth and what i think that we should do for growth yeah. yes yes uh, well you know it's it's a it's a joint plan because she looks at it from the marketing side so basically, her job is to bring in sales, and my job is to make sure that we can fulfill them. Uh, there is uh, growth strategies in the operations part. And there's growth strategies in the marketing side. So whenever we're uh, making the the annual budget, we get together and uh, we pool resources. Um, uh,
1: Debbie, how? Do, uh, what happens if if you run into an obstacle? And neither one of you has an answer. How do you go uh, find, find a, uh, a common ground?
0: Well, we do have a third partner, so who is not a family member. So typically, he's the he's the decision the decision breaker. It's usually two versus one on some ends. Sometimes it's three different decisions, and um, you know, thus far, we've been able to kind of talk them through. Um, you know, like I said before, we really do a a good lit, you know if it's specific decision, we do a good list of pros and cons, try and make a determination where the um, where it weighs on the pro side, and um, you know take a sort of informal vote between me and my brother. And when we hit a wall, we we call him a third guy. Mm-hmm. He's he's. Not in our office on a daily basis, so he's not as involved in the day-to-day running. More the the um, the account by count decisions. So he has a little bit of a different perspective than we do. When
2: we get we together. do something. I'm sorry, Go we ahead. do something very no. similar. We bring in uh, we bring in uh, my other sister as a mediator, and it's been uh, it's worked out to be uh, it works pretty well. <laughs> Well, it's
1: good to hear. Uh, but how do you when you when you have social family social occasions? Are you able to separate out the business from the social?
0: That is a very good question, especially because my mom works. With, our mom works with us as well, and our dad has his business, which is a separate business, but in our office space. So it's you know we have fourteen other people in the office. So it becomes uh, you know very close family, sometimes a little bit too close, and at holidays or social family gatherings, I think we make an effort to, you know, not talk a whole lot about work. You know, our, our, My brother and my kids are close in age, and they're very close, so a lot of the conversation goes towards the kids. So we have that um, little bit of a, a separate relationship away from work that we can talk about the kids, and we have some other opportunities to talk about things. But I can see how if we didn't make an effort to not talk about work, that both our spouses would not be very happy because I could see an entire family dinner being talking talking about coconut oil. Well, uh,
1: what happens, uh, I'll get to Mark in a moment, but what happens, you both, uh, you have a husband, he has a wife. Do they feel left out in some of these conversations?
0: Um. Ah, uh, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I would say sometimes that they do. Um, Mark, you know, it, it's kind of the nature of the beast, though. I think I think they know it. That you know, I I came into the business. We, I came into business after I was married, and my brother started the business. I want to say the year before he was married, but he was already engaged to his wife. So both of them that have been you know, intimately involved. Both spouses knew about the business from the get-go. I mean, obviously my husband knew about my brother's business from the very beginning. And when it was an opportunity for me to join the business 11 years ago, you know, we discussed it. And I think he knew that what he was getting, he knows I've always had a really close relationship with my brother. So I think he knew what he was getting himself into by, you know, encouraging me to come this direction.
1: Mark, what about you? How, how do you and your sister handle family occasions?
2: So, so we live close, uh, close by, and my two other sisters also live close by. So, uh, so we see each other a lot. And from the beginning, we were a little worried that uh, it was going to affect our personal relationship. So uh, we decided and this is very important if you're going into business with uh, with a family member is uh, that business needs to stay in the office. And it's very difficult, but I think we master it pretty well. We do when we get together. We're always talking about business. But if there is a disagreement, we leave it till the following uh, Monday or whenever we get back together in the office. We try not to discuss uh, or get into arguments when uh, we're in timely gatherings. Well, well,
1: well, let me ask you, do you have uh – they always recommend that a partnership have a, um, a, a an agreement uh, to end the partnership. Do you have one with your your uh,
2: sister yet? We don't, and it's uh, it's something that we definitely need to do. But I guess at this point where we're at right now, it's uh, it, it, you know it's very difficult that it will happen. Uh, you know, I can see it. You know, the past year or so, past year and a half. Um, you know, we were like I told you, we were very close at some points to dissolving the partnership but uh right now it's just smooth. Everybody you know, we both got used to working with each other and we both understand what parts of the business uh is each other's responsibility. So uh it works.
1: How did you resolve that? Did you get somebody in to mediate or did you just work it through yourselves, this uh, this uh trouble spot?
2: We did, like, like I said, we you know we both have a very different set of skills, so uh, so the responsibilities are very different. But there's some parts that you know that uh, are a little um, blurry. So for uh, for those uh, discussions or for those arguments, we did bring in most cases we brought uh, my other sister, and you know she was help she helped us put uh, everything in perspective. At one point, we brought our parents also in, and. Uh, and they helped, but it's all resolved, and uh, and it's working very smoothly.
1: Well, that's good to hear. Debbie, the, um, have you had any rough spots, and uh, have you thought about what happens at the end?
0: We don't have any sort of dissolution agreement. Um, I think that you're probably right, that probably is something that we should think about and um, figure out, but at this point, we've it's not something that we've encountered and we don't we never put that in writing. We have an operating agreement and divides up the company based on shares amongst the three of us, you know, my brother and the third partner. And um you know, a, a exit strategy more or less, you know, but not necessarily something that's written in stone. Um when we've had some, you know, major issues, we've really just sort of taken a cool, cooling off period, and I think that, you know, kind of walking away from the issues for us that's been working best. Like, you know, agreeing to disagree for a little while, and then coming back and revisiting it when we're both a little bit cooler.
1: Well, it's always it's nice that you have. A, a, I'm an only child, so I do not understand the brother sister dynamic but um uh, so I can't really talk to it but it seems that uh, both of you have very good relationships with your siblings um what advice would you give someone who's contemplating uh, adding a sibling uh to his or her company
0: i i would i would say that you, you need to have a good relationship to begin with if you already have a contentious relationship with your sibling, it's probably not best to get into a business relationship with them. And I also think that um, Mark's way is probably a better way than our way, where you both have very clear divisions of responsibility and different skill sets, where, you know, in their case, he has a more financial background and she has a more sales and marketing background. That way there's not a lot of confusion as to, who's making what decisions because they have the better expertise. Um, that took a little a little while for us to get used to because we have similar backgrounds. And I guess because we've always been pretty close and we have a way of getting along. I'm not quite sure what that way is, but we do have a way of getting along that we've been able to see our way clear of it. I'm not quite sure that it's the norm. And people do look at us and they're they're surprised that, you know, we get along so well. So well in a business situation because it's hard to work with your sibling, and I think you have to look at it from a, a a business relationship, not a sibling relationship. I think that makes the clear definition that when we leave the office and we have a family event or a social event where we're both at, we try and just make it a, a family or a social event, and when we're in the office, we try and keep it a, a professional a professional level where we have respect for each other's um, business abilities and business decisions, and then when there's a disagreement, it comes from a point of respect instead of from that sibling rivalry perspective. And it takes a little while. I think it took us a little while to get to that point, but I think that's the point we're at now where we really have that business-oriented respect, for lack of a better word.
2: Mark. Well, I think that uh, somebody that wants to go to business with their sibling or or a close family member, uh, the first thing that they need to understand is that it's not it's not easy. Um, you know, there is uh, when you uh, when you go into a job and you know you have a, a you know coworker or a boss. There's always that line that divides, you know, professional line that divides you guys. That line is very difficult. To achieve in the beginning when you're working with a sibling, but on the upside, you'll you'll never get as much loyalty and uh, and uh, dedication from anybody uh, from the outside. So it's you know it's great to work, be working with a sibling. Uh, one thing that I would recommend somebody that wants to go into business with their siblings is to put everything in writing from the beginning. You now, when you're doing um, when you're working with a with with a sibling you tend to you know leave a, you know make a lot of oral contracts but it's so much better to have everything in writing that way in the future as the company grows you know there's uh, you're going to save yourself a lot of trouble
1: amen uh, the name of your uh, your website and how people uh, can learn a more about your your
2: products and services
0: it's, ours uh, is um, v- oh, oh go I'm ahead sorry. Mark
2: I'm sorry. Uh it's uh Vistro, V W E S D R O dot com and uh it's delicious, organic, plant based, uh meals delivered straight to your home.
1: Debbie, your your uh, uh your website and where people can learn more about your products?
0: it's carrington farms dot com c a r r i n g t o n s a r m s dot com and um on the website there's recipes and ways to use all our products and ways to learn more about things like omega threes and all the other um nutritional benefits that our products offer
1: Cool. we have a relationship
0: with a nutritionist that um that posts blogs on our website that shows you know different sort of health benefits of our various product lines um We work with a lot of um recipe developers, so we have a pretty wide variety of recipes on the on the website ways to use the product in different sorts of foods and cooking options.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I know, I haven't tested your products, but I have tested Bistro's uh, products. And I have to tell you, uh, they're really good. At least why that's what people... My wife says that I tasted one of them. And like I said, I'm a meat and potatoes man. Um, <laughs> let's, um, what can I tell you? You know, it uh, um, uh, probably would be better for my health, but... but um, you can't
0: change. Uh, let's, we're we're going uh, to have to start getting you to put flax on your eggs. We're going to have to start getting to sprinkle flax on your eggs and add um, coconut oil to your coffee to get you started on that healthy thing. Then you can just start bringing in Mark's meals, and you'll be all set.
2: Exactly, <laughs> Don. The idea is not to leave your, uh, your meat and potatoes. The idea is to start eating healthy one meal at a time. So start with one meal a week, and you feel so much better.
1: Yeah, that that you're probably right. Um, uh, I, um, my my doctor talks talks to me all the time about it. Uh, let me. Uh, I'll throw this question out. Whoever wants to answer it, um, uh, do you think you're better off working with a sibling than not working uh, with a sibling?
0: I would say absolutely. I feel that um, if I'm not here, if I have to do something with my children or if I'm away on a business trip, absolutely trust that what goes on in the office is well taken care of. I 100% trust financially that things are in order. And I feel that my brother feels vice versa. If he's out on the road and, you know, he knows everything's being handled internally, you know. I think it, having somebody that you 100% trust, and not to say that you can't get that from a non-related partner, but it, it, there's, a, there's a feeling of, of comfort knowing that, you know, the person you grow up with, the person that's known you pretty much the longest in your life, is there for you, and is there to work with, and and there, there's a there's a nice thing about that.
2: I agree. There's Mark? Uh, no, there's nobody you can trust as much as a sibling. We both have the same interests. We're both partners in the company. Our main interest is to make sure that uh, this company gets as far as as we can take it, and at the same time maintaining uh, a good uh, sibling relationship. You know, at the end, that's uh, that's what matters the most.
1: Well, let me ask you this question: uh, you, You're both small business people. You're both successful. Um, I'll start with Mark. What were the? T- what are the two things you would uh, recommend anybody uh, who's who's thinking of uh, or is running a small business? What are the two key things you look at in your business?
2: Um while running it you mean or while making it while starting the business
1: oh, no running it
2: while running it uh, well you know first of all you have to you have to make sure that you know that the business is working properly i see it from the um, from uh, uh, the operational side and from the operational side i have to make sure that the processes every single process is as efficient as possible because every inefficiency costs money and you know even if it's pennies they all add up uh, from the marketing side, uh, my sister would probably have a better answer than this, but uh, you know, it's just to make sure that uh, we're using the right channels and uh, we're uh, investing the money properly.
1: Debbie, what have you learned that you'd pass on?
0: I would say um, from a financial perspective, from the financial side, I think it's really important to have a good, solid um good, solid financial stability and make your decisions within your financial wherewithal so you don't have the added stress. I think that has helped our business significantly that we've grown within the means that we've had instead of far beyond what we were able to do. We've had a lot of opportunity to grow bigger and faster, and we've held back on some occasion because... We didn't want to overextend ourselves. And I think that's really important. And I think it takes a lot of the stress off the relationship, the partner relationship, as well as the business as a whole. And in addition, I think from um, a growth perspective, I think that you, you really need product that you believe in, product that you use, product that you, especially from a food, in a food business, product that you eat that fits in your lifestyle. So you could be the biggest advocate for. You, the product you're putting out there.
1: You you know, I've learned a lot uh, today, and I hope our audience has as well. Um, One more time, uh, Debbie, tell us uh, your your website and how people could reach you.
0: So the name of the company is Carrington Farms, and the website is CarringtonFarms.com. Our food is available online, and a lot of our products are in... Just about every retailer in the country, more or less, and Costco, and, um,
2: as well as a lot of our products are available in Walmart and Target. And Mark? Uh, the name of the company is Vistro, V is in Victor, double E-S-T-R-O dot com, and visit us for delicious, 100% plant-based, handcrafted meals, uh, delivered straight to your home anywhere in the U.S.,
1: Well, uh, I really appreciate both of you being so candid about your sibling relationship, and thank you for coming tonight.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Don. Thanks, Debbie.
1: And good luck (laughs) to to you in the
2: future. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience and profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web through our video channel and in our magazine you can subscribe for any or all of these